Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Lakers Explained with me, Christian Rebus, and Harrison Fagan. Uh, here on a joyous day in Lakerland, uh, at least for me and you, because we get to talk about it. And he's one of the most exciting players in the league to talk about, depending on who you ask. Uh, and I'm, of course, talking about J.R. Smith, who, according to multiple reports, is expected to sign with the Lakers within the week before July 1st. Uh, when NBA rosters are supposed to be finalized. Harrison, first reactions to the signing. I know it's been rumored for I, for a couple of days now, and even dating back to when they worked out JR and Dion to, to replace Troy Daniels. So I think it's something that Lakers fans could have guessed would happen. But now that it's here, I'm sure it's a it's a different feeling. Yeah, the day that the prophecies when LeBron signed foretold of has finally come to pass. <laughs> it took uh, like literally like almost two years, actually, by the time that he does sign, like which I think I think it has to be by July 1st. Like I think they were saying it's probably going to happen tomorrow or tonight, depending on yeah. when you're listening to this, but um, like Tuesday, most likely. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm excited. It's not even the only good news that we got. Uh, because you are back on the podcast after being replaced with Anthony last week. So, uh, like, that is an upgrade. The Lakers have made an upgrade in terms of, like, you know, not an upgrade over Avery Bradley necessarily, but an upgrade over an empty roster spot uh, with J.R. Smith, I would say, is a massive upgrade over nothing. Um, And, like, I am excited for him to join the team, like, not just for, like, content reasons, although I would say that's probably a big part of it, but I'm kind of, I'm interested about the basketball fit, too. Like, there's not a single part of this that really does not interest me, and so I think that you are feeling along a similar vein, and I think that makes J.R. Smith the perfect person for Lakers Explain to try and explain, although many have tried and many have failed. We're going to do our best. <laughs> yeah, I think um, there are just some players – that feel right in the NBA. Like when Carmelo Anthony wasn't in the NBA, it felt a little weird. I felt the same way about J.R. Smith. We're just knowing that he is a free agent, not on an active roster, just didn't feel right. Like regardless of whether or not he's washed as somebody who's been watching basketball for a little while, it's uh, it was weird not seeing him on a team. He's only like what? 34 years old, which I understand isn't young. Uh, and we can get into, you know, concerns about the condition he's in and, and whether or not he's a replacement over Avery Bradley a little later in the show. Um, but I do think, given the options available, he probably made the most sense. I think the only other case you could have made was for another guard like Iman Shumpert or, you know, Tyler Johnson, I guess, Alan Crabb. I think Tyler Johnson signed at this Yeah, point. right. Yeah. He signed with the Nets, but I'm saying prior to that point. Yeah, I'm sure yeah, if the yeah. Lakers wanted Tyler Johnson, they could have had him. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's not like he was unavailable for yeah. a while, right? Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think at those points, like you're you're just almost getting into a difference of like, what are you valuing? Like, what are you? Right. What skill set are you trying to get? It's not like they're drastically different calibers of players; they're just different skill sets Absolutely. at this point. And I agree with you that it was weird to have Jr. out of the league, and not just because, like, you know, he has been a kind of weirdly a main NBA figure, despite never really being a star. But like, you know, for reasons that I'm sure that we'll get into over the course of this podcast 
podcast. He is a, a decently famous NBA player and like one of NBA Twitter's famous favorites, certainly. Uh, he's had a lot of iconic moments and I guess some would say infamous. Uh, and also like he's better than a lot of guys that are just rounding out benches at the end of the league. Like, yeah. or at least you would think so based on kind of what he showed up until he was out of the league. And like, I get why the Cavs wanted to part ways with him, but you wouldn't think that that would necessarily mean that 29 other teams would not want him. So it was strange. Like, I agree with you. Yeah, I think, and I've, I felt this way a little while. I, I actually think I've gone on record on a few publications and this podcast uh, about my feelings on J.R. Smith. I really think he is a decent basketball player who has just been kept out of the league because of like one of the worst mistakes in NBA history, at least from a basketball standpoint, like the blunder that he had in the 2018, was it? Um, NBA final series. It was game one of the 2018 NBA finals. It's, We'll go down as I, – I, I maintain that I don't think the Cavaliers would have won. I don't think they were as talented as a Warriors team with Kevin Durant on the roster. Uh, but they would have at least won that game. And because or at least of, had a chance to. Yeah. <laughs> like, they would have gotten a shot up and had a chance to, like, in theory. And then how are you supposed to win in overtime and come back from that? You know, and what we're referring to for the maybe three of you that don't get it is, you know, JR just forgetting time and score situation and dribbling it out when the teams were tied uh, with the clock winding down. And LeBron kind of furiously running and trying to steal the ball from his own teammate to get a shot up. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's one of the dumbest mistakes in NBA history. Like, I think Absolutely. even JR at this point with truth serum would admit that. Um, but, like, look, like, the guy was a productive player for the most part before that. And it's not like he was known for his supreme level of basketball IQ. But, like, he was also – like, he wasn't dumb. Like, he – all like, he – and he was a solid player. Like, he was a good role player who understood his role. Was he a little overconfident? Like, and, you know, jacked some bad shots occasionally? Sure. But, like, he had proved that he could contribute to a winner, like, beyond a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. And, like – even in spite of the mistake that he made, LeBron, if for no other reason than like kind of recruiting him throughout the season, seems to still hold him in a pretty high regard because of what he offered the championship team uh, that that was successful, the Cavaliers team that was successful in uh, contending for a championship. And when I think of J.R. Smith, I think of somebody that makes shots. Um, I think when you hear the term shooter you just think somebody that's like an efficient three-point shooter like Danny Green or Contavious Caldwell Pope but I think what the Lakers have been missing this season is somebody that can create their own shot and get going because outside of Quinn Cook who's pretty undersized and doesn't play a lick of defense they have not had that and I think that's why they prioritize signing guys like Deion Waiters and J.R. Smith with the few roster spots they've had available uh the only thing that i think separates Dion waiters from jr smith at least looking at their like career numbers is his three-point shooting for his career jr smith is a 37.3 percent three-point shooter in his last full season he played in the 2017-18 se- uh, season averaged 37.5 uh, percent from three-point range on 4.8 attempts which is pretty damn good um and his He's wide also open up there on the all-time leaderboard, right? For threes, yeah. I believe so. I think you've written that before. Like he is, he is up there. And like of the ten active leaders in three-point makes, 
J.R. Smith was like the only one that wasn't on an NBA roster this season up until this point. And again, I think it really does just boil down to, you know, that. And maybe the soup incident played a part in, <laughs> you know, teams straying away from him. He's certainly an interesting character off the court. But, I mean, I, I think he's a good basketball player. Yeah, I, I think that he can help this team specifically. And, like, not just from – I think you absolutely are right on about the shot creation and, like, bringing that kind of element to the team as well. But, like, also – look, like you weren't going to be able to get somebody that could replace Avery Bradley's skill set on this market. Like that just wasn't going to happen. And like the Lakers, I think, were kind of smart to not really try to and to hope to replicate that type of role internally. Like J.R. Smith, when we're talking about him coming in and uh, like – filling Avery Bradley's spot. Like, I think we keep saying replacement, but it's not like he's going to start where Avery Bradley was starting or anything. Like, he's going to be an end-of-the-bench guy who may get in, he may not. And so the Lakers, like, you know, theoretically, like, let's say they start KCP, they start Alex Caruso, whatever, like that kind of messes with roles on the bench a little bit. Like, now you at least have this guy with this other skill set that you didn't have before that gives Frank Vogel, like, okay, if he wants to, like, let's say the Lakers go down 15 in a playoff game or something, and they just want to get maximum shooting out there around LeBron and just try and space the floor and really like bomb their way back into it like J.R. Smith gives you another guy that you can throw into that lineup that's not really something Avery Bradley could do and again I think that Avery Bradley is probably overall the better player but you have guys that can replicate what he did on this roster whereas J.R. gives you something that you didn't have previously like you know what I mean I just think it makes the Lakers a little bit more versatile and again like I don't want to oversell this I don't know that he's going to play yeah. a tremendous amount but it's an mm-hmm. option yeah, I think the, to your point about Avery Bradley, I think there are players on the team that offer something similar to what Avery Bradley can offer, specifically on the defensive end. Yeah, I personally, and I think the numbers back this up too, think Alex Caruso is a better defender than Avery Bradley. He might not be as like showy as Avery Bradley was with you know how much he pressured guys. Um, and Avery Bradley, to his like in his defense was very good at that. Like putting the numbers reflect that he was great. Like, and he made an impact. And some of that is like, I think that, I think we've talked about this before probably is that psychological effect of just seeing a guy play that hard gets other guys to lock in. Yeah. And, and so to that, to that point, I think there are players that like specifically Alex Caruso that can bring that on the defensive end. I think Contavious Caldwell Pope has been a little bit, overrated on the defensive end this season um I think some of that has to do with how productive he's been on offense and I if I think if if you're the Lakers if you had to choose between the two given the personnel they had at the time with Avery Bradley at the point guard position you take Contavious Caldwell Pope shooting like 38 39 whatever he's shooting from three-point range this season um than than his defense and even when he's been on the floor with with that second unit uh he's been serviceable hasn't been great I think per cleaning the glass they're like they're, they're a lot worse with Contavious Caldwell Pope on the they've been a lot worse with Contavious Caldwell Pope on the floor this season so obviously that's not great but to that point I but think, Bradley plays with the starters KCP doesn't right yes yes yeah and well, I mean, but even then, like when Avery Bradley was out of the lineup and KCP started in his place, they took a slippage yeah. defensively because KCP is just not as good of a defender. At least he hasn't been this season. 
Um, on the positive side of that same token, though, sorry to cut you yeah, off. Yeah, no, no, no. I just Go did ahead. want to mention this before we like move on from that. Is that like our own uh, Alex Regla, one of the co-hosts of our Taco Tuesday podcast, did a newsletter on like how the Lakers could try and fill Avery Bradley's role internally, and he ran some of the like some of the like kind of advanced numbers suggest that if you were just to give like uh, KCP, all of Avery Bradley's offensive possessions, your offense is just going to go like kind of skyrocket and like, yeah. or not skyrocket, but it's going to get a lot better and a lot more efficient. So there's pluses and minuses with throwing him in there. Yeah. And I, I think the d- main difference between Contavious Caldwell Pope, Alex Caruso and Avery Bradley, that group specifically is the type of shots Avery Bradley would create for himself you know, whether Lakers fans enjoyed watching it or not, Avery Bradley was pretty efficient when it came to his mid-range shots this season and getting himself out of trouble. Uh, and I think that's a little bit of what you're getting in J.R. Smith. And the same could be said about Dion Waiters is, you know, you're getting somebody that can make something out of nothing. Um, I forget what nickname LeBron James gave him. Um, I mean, you know, LeBron and his damn nicknames. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can tell you with confidence that it was awful uh, yeah. <laughs> because, like, pretty much all of them are. Uh, but uh, hold on, I will try and Google this really quickly. Okay, the the my point is having somebody that can bail you out. I think is really important. And again, the Lakers haven't had that this season, uh, and so to have somebody that can do that and, in my opinion, shoot better than Dion Waiters, I think you're getting you're losing some of the defense that Avery Bradley brought but you're getting shot creation and efficient three-point shooting, um, not just from J.R. Smith, but from Deion Waiters as well. Uh, so that nickname, uh, you know, to like further your point was, this one actually for LeBron, like honestly, by his caliber, this is not terrible. Um, it's, it's very dad humor, but he's like, we called him 911 because when there's an emergency, give it to him and it's cash. Like also I might, I think LeBron might misunderstand what 911 does. They do not bring you cash when you have a problem. Um, you know, it's probably, LeBron has his own private security. It's probably been quite some time since he had to dial 911, if ever. I hope it's a long time, but yeah. maybe never before he ever has to do it again. But no, a little bit fraught analogy there, but I think I get what he was going for. Yeah. I also don't know if uh, 911 is the nickname they want to be using in this political climate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're going to have to, they're going to have to change uh, JR's nickname uh, possibly a little bit. Um, yeah. And I'm going I'm I'm to leave that right yeah. there. <laughs> on that note, we'll take a quick break and we'll, we'll be back with more JR talk. JR Smith is a Los Angeles Laker, and that feels pretty good for me to say. I like it. I think uh, if, if there's a custom jersey I can order with one of his many nicknames, I will do it in a heartbeat. Um, it's kind of hard though. I've I've tried to look for. I've been trying to order an Alex Caruso jersey for a little while now, and it infuriates me. As an aside, that you you cannot customize jerseys on Nike.com anymore. It just doesn't make sense. 
I was trying to buy an Alex Caruso jersey for my brother. I wanted to get one of the Black Mamba jerseys, but customize it to be a Caruso one and yeah. just could not find that anywhere. I ended up getting him, I forget what website, so I can't even shout them out, but it was an NBA Jam shirt with, it was uh, it was Caruso and LeBron. And I think that there, are, or it was Caruso's and his sliders were higher than MJ's, oh uh, like on the comparison <laughs> thing. And like, so that was, that was a hit as a birthday gift. Um, that is so but funny. It was not the Caruso Black Mamba jersey that I was originally going for. So Montgomery, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm sorry. Uh, I had a better <laughs> original idea, but I did my best. I and uh, God, that's I. You have to send me the link to that shirt. I have. Yes, one. I will. I will find the receipt. I'll, I'll, I'll tweet it out. <laughs> I'll tweet it out so that everybody can uh, can have access to it. I have an Alex Caruso shirt, um, and it's again with the limited options. That's probably the closest I'll get to a Caruso jersey. I'm not telling my listeners to buy me one, but. My birthday is September 25th, if you wanted to. Uh, That's like a long that ways way. off. You're like, oh, yeah, my birthday, <laughs> by the way, it's coming up. It's in like four months. Well, listen, by that time, <laughs> Alex Caruso will probably have had a big game in the Western Conference semifinals or something. And you'll have had to finals. get a bald eagle tattoo. Right, That's right. true. So <laughs> I, well, while we're on the topic, I don't necessarily agree with I think somebody set the bar for like 15 points. I don't know if that's going off in a playoff game. In that case, like, like I think for a bench guy, that's going that averages how many points does Alex Russo average? It's like oh, what, like eight probably? Oh no, it's like five point something. Yeah, so like so, I think 15 at that point, like 300 percent of your normal scoring average is like I I think that's I think that's going off. Sure. I, and you have to get a bald eagle <laughs> tattoo. We decided. Like, like this I was, said, if you try to hold me to it, I will keep moving the goalposts. It, it's just never going to happen. I'm sorry. Sorry to burst your bubble. I'm a, I'm a coward and a fraud. And before we get off of uh, this, like, uh, being really sidetracked anyway, <laughs> uh, going back to the nicknames thing, I just went on basketball reference. And J.R. Smith, usually basketball reference has, like, 19 nicknames for each guy, and they're, like, ones I've never heard. Uh, this they, they only have two for him, and it's The Prodigy and J.R. Swish, which, like, the, the second one is just corny. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah, I feel like they're missing a few that are NSFW. Yeah, but, I mean they uh, can't. I they probably can't put Pipe God yeah. on uh, on Basketball Reference. Yeah, I. But that is for those wondering. That is the nickname I would have gotten on the back of my jersey, Pipe God. <laughs> and then you can probably guess the number too. Um, speaking of Caruso and Jr., the Lakers are going to have, or specifically Frank Vogel is going to have his work cut out for him when it comes to integrating these guards into his rotation. Um, it starts in the starting lineup, and I personally think that Alex Caruso deserves that starting job. That is not just me being a stan of Alex Caruso, which I have never claimed not to be. But I think with Alex Caruso, he he just with, – with the talent you have in that lineup, I think you hide him perfectly, his, his deficiencies on offense and – um, all the little things he does on defense, I think he completely maximizes that lineup. I'm also a fan of him in that lineup because I fear with J.R. Smith or Deion Waiters in a bench unit with Rondo as like the primary, or sorry, the secondary guard next to Rondo, I don't see that going well. I'd much rather have Contavious Caldwell put with the second unit 
than J.R. Dion. I also think that this is like a pretty good start to the exercise of like, you know, as long as we're talking about J.R. Smith, like, can we find a role for him on the Lakers, like outside of an abnormal circumstance? Because so like, okay, I'm actually for what it's worth, I'm in agreement with you on Caruso being who I would start. Mm -hmm. Uh, I believe I made this argument to Anthony on either our podcast or Locked on Lakers last week when we did our uh, mega crossover event. But like, I think that Caruso just gives you the closest to replicating what Bradley's skill sets and deficiencies are. Uh, and so, like, I think it allows for the most seamless transition, potentially, uh, as far as, like, you know, as far as the starters go. Now, does that leave, like, the bench with some problems? But, like, for what it's worth, I agree with you. But then what do you think that that does to the bench? So, like, then Rondo is clearly, like, the first backup point guard off the bench, which he kind of already is. Yeah. Um, and then, like, I guess KCP will continue to play with the bench. But, like, how much bigger of roles do you see for them? It, and then when do we start to get into, like, okay, like, Dion's going to play some minutes. is going to play some minutes. How many minutes? Like, that kind of thing. Like, where do we start to see those minutes in? increase and then start to come from yeah again I I really think it all starts with who ends up in the starting lineup but in any case I think the key to integrating whether it's waiters or smith into that bench unit is minimizing the amount of time rondo plays uh, but also figuring out whether or not they want to go small with three guard lineups and at that point, you're cutting into, you know, the likes of Kyle Kuzma and Marquise Morris's time. Um, and I think for a lot of the season, the biggest hole in the Lakers roster has been the lack of a big wing uh, at the three. Yes. And so taking uh, other away... Other than LeBron. Other than right, that LeBron right. guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably important to note. Um, so taking taking minutes away from... Kuzma or Markeith probably isn't the direction they want to go, but assuming these guys see any playing time, assuming even one, th- this is not even imagining a scenario where both waiters and JR get playing time. Cause I don't think that scenario exists. No, not like not outside of injuries or outside of like, you know, like complete, just some other like illness, whatever, like abnormal circumstances. I agree right. with you. Like, I think if things go right, there's not a scenario where both of them are consistently in the rotation at the same time. Like, and I think that also just to contextualize, like what we're trying to replace here, Avery Bradley was averaging 24.2 minutes per game. Like, I think we're probably guessing that would have gone up under normal circumstances in the playoffs, just because Mm -hmm. usually starters minutes go up. Now, Bradley's a unique case, so I don't know how much it would have changed things. But so you're trying to, you're basically, you're trying to replace 24 minutes on your team. KCP is already, already averaging 25. 5.5 look as much as I think you and I both like what KCP brings to the Lakers and feel like he's maybe been a little undervalued this year in some cases I don't know if you agree with me on that I kind of feel like that's the case yeah Um, I think so yeah like I'm not sure how much more than 25 point 25 and a half minutes you need of KCP and at what point you're going to start to get diminishing returns on KCP at that point um and so like, you know, you look at the other guys, Alex Cruz was averaging 17.8. I think it's pretty easy to th- see that ticking up pretty easily. Um, you could maybe get him into like the 25 minute range that takes up seven of Bradley's minutes. Um, like, I, I think as much as no, Lakers fans don't want to hear this, but Rajon Rondo's minutes are going to go up because yeah. of this. And he's at 20 right now. So like, let's say he goes up to 25. That's five minutes right there. So then that's, uh, that's where are we at? We're at 13 of Avery Bradley's 24 minutes ish. So like, 
like, does that leave, leave 11 then for like, you know, JR or Dion or someone like that? Like, we are not talking about a big role here if it's even a consistent one. Well, I think the, the one that like a, a lot of Lakers fans kind of gloss over when it comes to the postseason is Danny Green. Because for the season, Danny Green's only averaged 25 minutes per game. I believe it's his lowest minutes average in like at least three years in one of the lowest of his career. So it's his lowest average since the 2013-14 season. Okay, yeah. So So it's been a while. Yeah, I I knew I looked that up last week when I was researching him. but It's been a really long time. And last year, he played 27.7 minutes per game in the regular season. Uh, In the postseason, that jumped to – hold on, I'm pulling it up here – uh, 28.5 minutes per game. So but he had worn down by that point. And so I think that, that I, I think we've all talked about this to some degree, like it kind of seemed like the Lakers were stealth load managing him, like they were playing him, but he was not closing games a lot. And like, it's not like he played badly. Like he, he didn't play like, I think a lot of people expect a $15 million guy to play, but he's been good. Like, I think he's been a helpful player. And I think they've like been cognizant to limit his minutes to save him for the playoffs. Now, ultimately, that's not going to end up mattering at this point because right. I don't think that he's going to have any tangible advantage from that over anyone else in the league. Um, but like, you know, like, yeah, I think to, to your point, like he could play a bigger role, like in the postseason for sure. And I think to your point about Danny green is, is why I'm a little more, I guess, excited about the JR signing than I would have been if they signed him in like February. Uh, because I think the gap, that JR has to close relative to the rest of the team in terms of not playing in a while is a lot smaller than it would have been. Like there is an easier path for JR to crack the rotation than it would have been, you know, a few months ago under, under normal circumstances. So um, I'm interested to see how that goes. Um, I think the main reason, like all that being said, I think the main reason he won't play and why Dion probably won't get a ton of burn it's just getting people to buy into the system this late into the season. Like, at- I think the the one positive that Jr. has there is he does have extensive experience right. playing with LeBron, and it's not like for what Frank Vogel is running is like that insanely different. Because when you have LeBron, you don't change like the whole playbook basically. Like, there's Unless a way to Walton. play with LeBron that yeah yeah yeah. I, I was gonna leave that on. Un- said but I'll uh, yeah I'll let you just like uh just say that one but like LeBron you know he play, he has a specific style that he's very successful with that's not a criticism or a backhanded compliment in any yeah. way all stars are pretty much like have one kind of best way of playing and LeBron very much has that and I think that sometimes there's an adjustment period for guys in terms of playing with LeBron you don't necessarily touch the ball a ton like you got to stay ready to contribute even if you aren't getting a ton of shots and you got to be ready at any and all angles to catch a pass JR has been doing that for years which I think does on some level give him a little bit of an advantage over Dion who LeBron shipped out of town like at the first opportunity because he got so fed up with him the first time um and so like I think again that's not me implying that they're on bad terms now I think Dion was calling LeBron like an older brother figure in his life and like they're both with the same agency clearly there's no lingering bad 
blood or he would not be a Laker, I feel pretty comfortable saying. But, like, he didn't necessarily, like, kind of jive with LeBron the first time around. Whereas, like, JR pretty immediately, like, was uh, comfortable playing alongside LeBron or fit pretty well, which I think, to your point of him having less ground to make up conditioning-wise, I also think gives him less ground to make up playbook-wise in terms of being able to just jump into the rotation a little bit better than your average signing off the street. I think that is an excellent point. Um, And I think with the style of that the Lakers are going to play in the playoffs with LeBron, I think the need for somebody that can create their own shot is going to be lessened because of how much time he's going to play. The main the the main thing you need is somebody that can do that when he's off of the floor, which is where I think Dion comes in, where JR comes in. Uh, so from that standpoint, I can very easily see either one of them getting playing time. Uh, but I think you're absolutely right about, about JR and LeBron. I, it, if LeBron signs off on it, which can be said about, you know, any lineup change or, you know, anything that goes on with the roster this season, um, I could totally see JR having a bigger role than any of us expect because it's just the guy he's comfortable with, um, that he's reliable. You know what I mean? He's he's won playoff games with him. I think you're absolutely right. And I think also, like, we have to account for, like, that conditioning thing of everybody kind of being out of NBA condition and him having less, like, to make up there. Like, I think that does work to his advantage, as does, like, you know, we heard a couple things from Danny Green on, like, the most recent clip of his podcast that, you know, Inside the Green Room, Inside the Green Room put out on Twitter today. Number one, we got kind of pseudo confirmation that JR has been working out with the Lakers, uh, yeah. like, when they've been working out, which was a court from last week uh and that he looks like he's in pretty good shape which like of course Danny's not gonna not say that like you're not gonna be like well you know like he looked like he was a little out of shape like he's not gonna say that but the fact that he said that he was in good shape you know like I also don't think that he would necessarily lie he may have hedged or given a non-answer if he wasn't in like somewhat close to decent shape and he said he was shooting really well and so if he's been working out with the team getting familiar with them already in these secret workouts like and he's in decent shape and shooting the ball okay like if he comes into this like pseudo training camp and is just shooting the lights out like he may jump into the rotation like pretty quickly here and give them a weapon that they didn't have before yeah because I think whatever I'm weapon... not saying we should count on that but right. it, it is a possibility yeah the the because the only weapon they had and I'm using quotation marks, um, it was Quinn Cook. And again, Quinn Cook in is, terms of I, shooters. Yeah, in terms well, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, okay. in terms of somebody that can create their own shot in the second unit, um, it feels weird saying this, but Rondo was that person at the beginning of the season for like the first ten games. Uh, he looked like somebody that can be a floor general and make shots in the second unit. His numbers have like almost comically plummeted since then. Like he hasn't been able to hit anything for a very long time. So outside yeah, the Lakers, Sabrina dug this up for her. We're doing this previously on series with uh silver screen and roll and Christian. I'm not sure if you read it yet, but this stat like astounded me when I was editing it, that the three man lineup of LeBron AD and Rondo is a negative 5.3 net rating, 
which means that somehow Rondo turns LeBron and AD into worse than the Timberwolves. Yeah. Like, I don't, like, I, like, I think she just wrote, and it was the perfect sentence, like, I don't understand how this is possible. And I don't really either. And look, like, I I don't want to be the guy that just sits here and craps on Rondo, like, for a whole podcast. That's not what we came on here to do. But, like, I, I think that, you know, that's another thing to look out for is could he start steal like, as another veteran guard that LeBron trusts and, like, has played with before, is that a guy? that like could start to steal some minutes now I think the counterpoint to that is Rondo has not forgotten the score in the finals game when LeBron was on the floor like trying to win a title with him so and one of the things that we know that LeBron respects about Rondo is his basketball IQ and so maybe you know that doesn't matter at all but and the um, fact that he's a veteran like that's I I agree no, I mean, I think that the minutes, like, it, it, they're going to come from places that Lakers fans don't like. It's going to be from Caruso. It's going to yeah. be from whoever. Yeah. I agree with your psychoanalysis of LeBron James. I do think Caruso's minutes are going to get eaten into. Uh, and that sucks. But if, it, if, if it's honestly because Rondo's playing well or JR and Dion are exactly what they needed, um, more so than Caruso, which, again, I personally just don't see because I think outside of Avery Bradley, even with Avery Bradley there, I think Caruso was the like team's second best defender outside of Danny Green, at least at the guard position. Like obviously Anthony Davis is a yeah. like, superstar defensive talent. But um I also think that Danny Green, speaking of him, is going to lock in a little bit more for yeah. these playoff games and stuff. Like he was talking today on that podcast, another thing about like being excited to take on like opponent's best guys and you know if he plays like he has for most of the season defensively at least like in one-on-one situations he's still been a great help defender great transition defender but in one-on-ones he's left like a little bit to be desired um so if that keeps up then you know he's not going to be that primary defender for very long or it's not going to go that well but if there's like another level left for him to jump up to in terms of locking in and all of that stuff like in the playoffs and no longer needing to save himself for that like I think that that could also be a positive development I really think I don't know how you feel um but that the Lakers are pretty well prepared as well prepared as they really could be to weather this absence from Avery Bradley. I do not think that this is like the death blow that some were making it out to be initially that night. Yeah. I, and I think it, it really just does go back to them being able to pull from different places in the lineup. And I think that's especially true with, with Jr. in the mix because um, like, like I was alluding to before the only like weapon at the point guard spot they had in terms of shot creation was Quinn Cook. Quinn Cook is like six one, six feet. Yeah, he's not uh, even like and, a shot. He's a guy that can shoot. He's not even necessarily going to create his own shot all that well. Yeah, he he does a decent job. I, I think he had a game against Orlando earlier in the season where he was just killing guys out of the pick and roll. It, well, so like, we know granted, he's comfortable playing in the Magic Kingdom. So we've yeah. <laughs> no, we've knocked that off uh, off the list of requirements then. And again, it's it's Orlando, but. Um, I feel much more comfortable Frank Vogel going to Jr. and Dion, uh, at least on the defensive end. I don't know what they have to give. I just like I feel like just at their size, just by trying, they could give more than Quinn Cook. And like that's what all due respect to him, like he does try on his on defense to his credit. There's just certain things at his size that you just cannot make an impact on, and like that's just kind of where he's at. And Um, I think and it's a between like Caruso's defense, their shot creation, Contavious Caldwell Pope's three point shooting, I'd even throw JR in there because I think JR, upon arrival, will be one of the best three point shooters on the team. 
And he um, can run off screens a little bit too, which is something that they haven't really had. Like KCP really struggled in kind of being shoehorned into that role. Yeah. And like uh, JR can run off of screens and get shots a little bit. Like he, he's happy to take shots from anywhere. So with all that, um, and then maybe you have like a breakout playoff series from Taylor Horton Tucker. <laughs> maybe. I mean, I saw, I saw pictures of him. He looks real good. He grew. He looked really good in that highlight mix. Like I don't know the caliber of competition that he was playing <laughs> against, but man, he looked like he's ready to win like a uh, tournament MVP in yeah. uh like finals MVP in that clip. I mean, again, who know? Like I don't know if those were like D three prospects that he was playing against, but um, like he looked really good. I mean, if anybody knows, it's LeBron because he's clutch. So yeah. I mean, all these he guys. Looks, are clutch. He looks like he's got. He's lost a little weight too. Like again, yeah. I'm not expecting like the Taylor Horton Tucker breakout or something like in Orlando. I just think the Lakers are too deep to allow for that without something going wrong. But like, <laughs> yeah. I could see him like if they've locked up seating, getting some minutes, and like everybody kind of going like, "Whoa, that guy's pretty good." Like, yeah, I, I think be... like he looks like he's in better shape. Um, all I want is for the Lakers to just win their first three games and then unleash THT in the final five. <laughs> or, like, at least give me, like, the last two. Like, unleash THT in the second half or something. Like, come on. Like, Frank, give us something. You know? Like, yeah. just, yeah. Just get, like, a glimpse into the backcourt of the future with THT and Caruso. Yeah, exactly. Like, the La- <laughs> yes, the Lakers' starting backcourt of the future. Taylor Horton Tucker <laughs> and Alex Caruso. The, or as I call them, the future big two. <laughs> uh. Harrison, I think that's all I have in terms of, of JR talk. Do you, is there anything that you think was left unsaid that should be said? <laughs> yes, I think, I think the one thing, I'm glad you asked, the one thing is like I am so incredibly excited for like learning what JR Smith, a team with JR Smith, Dion Waiters, JaVale McGee, and Kuz and like maybe Dwight get up to in in the Orlando bubble I just feel like the Lakers have like we joked last year that they had assembled this like you know ragtag group but now they're like good and so it's kind of more fun uh like they've literally assembled the suicide squad to like send them into (laughs) a quarantined area to go and take care of a problem like I think that like they just all they did was they watched like the 2017 DC masterpiece suicide squad and constructed their squad around that um and they even have Danny Green whose nickname is Deadshot like you know I'm I'm really excited for this like I'm trying to think of like the most fun headlines that we could get out of like this tournament I think like I was joking earlier like J.R. Smith like banned from quarantine bubble for sneaking into Disney World shirtless um (laughs) you know like I I just think that there's so many opportunities for like fun especially like just like fun social media clips of guys and with all unique camera angles like what like what faces does LeBron make the first time that JR like you know forgets the score and like we hear LeBron on a hot mic yell out like this is why I didn't assign you like in March uh and like (laughs) stuff like that I think yeah I then that is a value we we haven't mentioned thus far in the pod is Avery Bradley was a good basketball player but he was kind of like a hard-nosed basketball player, pretty like straight business, and yeah, yeah. Jr. He's not, not a memeable <laughs> guy. Like I'm not sure if there were less memeable players than Avery Bradley. Yeah, he's just like super mature and like responsible, which is why he's staying home. Um, and Jr. Not that he's not those things, but he definitely likes to have his fun, and so 
And he just like, he has a very reactive face. He does things that inspire (laughs) reactions from other people, sometimes good and bad. Like sometimes he will take insane shots that go in, which inspires awesome reactions. And it's like a fun meme that JR just took like a spin around, like fadeaway three while LeBron stared at him in disbelief. And then it went in and, you know, has to shake it off. Like all I'm saying is it's been a rough, like couple months in a lot of facets of American life. You know, a lot of people are struggling, meme creators, chief among them. And like, I think the, the Lakers just gave us like a meme economy bailout, basically. And uh, I, they, they just stimulated the meme economy. So let's, uh, let's hope for the best in, in Orlando. The way you just looked at your phone made me think that like JR had, like it had just fallen apart, like Tyron oh, no, Lou no, no, style. No, no. Um, it's just some okay. woge stuff about, Dinwiddie and DeAndre Jordan. Oh, I don't know. Okay. All right. Well, hopefully they're all right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's us for for today's show. Next week, I I don't know what we'll talk about. Um, I guess training camp is supposed to start a week from now. Yeah. I mean, next week, like we'll start to know a lot more. We'll know a lot more about what this roster is going to look like going into Orlando. I think I would keep an eye out for even by the time this podcast drops, whether or not Dwight and other Lakers have made their decisions and things like that. Like that's something that is going to be going on over the next 24 to 48 hours. Um, And then we're going to know a lot more about this team and start to like get to actually see them. And it's kind of surreal that we're at this point, Uh, you know, like, and so I would just say, stay tuned to Silver Screen and Roll. Stay tuned to the Silver Screen and Roll podcast. I believe Alex and Alex will be taking tomorrow off, but we will be back on, uh, on like Wednesday slash Thursday with a new episode from Sabrina and Anthony. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm excited. Basketball is almost back. Sounds good to me. I am, I'm all, I like, I think Jacob said this on our show a few times. I would watch Warriors Cavs right now, especially now that the Cavs picked up Jordan Bell, who, as we know, is one of the young stars of our league. <laughs> yeah. How, how do people let the Warriors get him? How do people let the Cavs get him now? You know, like, I think, I think there needs to be an investigation. <laughs> uh, well, that's our show for today. Uh, thanks for listening as always. And uh, we'll talk to you next week.